Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co, where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver an exceptional customer experience. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co. Well, hey, everybody, welcome in to this week's edition of Building Teams with Teams & Co. I'm your host, Mike Vagalis, here with Dr. Paul White, the president of Appreciation at Work. So excited for today's podcast and want to remind everybody, if you're dialing in for the first time or if you've been with us for a while, be sure to give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Click that little bell button to be notified every time we go live. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or uh, any other audio platform, be sure to give us a, a review, a like, and a comment. And with that, really excited to jump in today's podcast. Dr. Paul, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. It's a pretty sunny day, so it always makes it a little better to uh, brave the cold, so we're good. That's great. Well, Dr. Paul, it's uh, it's so great to meet you. Um, I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while. Uh, you have such an interesting background, and you have such great experience that I know our listeners are really going to resonate with. Before we jump in, why don't we just give you a time to introduce yourself and introduce the work that you do at Appreciation at Work and uh, the, you the book, and there's so much that I'd love to hear about your story. Sure. Well, thanks. So yeah, I'm a psychologist by training, and um, a number of years ago, sort of went a little bit of a different direction. I grew up in the context of a family-owned business outside of Kansas City, and so um, some friends of mine that were business consultants kept running into family issues that intertwine with working together and then business succession kinds of things. And so they asked me to help them out. So I started consulting with um, family-owned businesses and partnerships um, to help deal with those issues and help sort of the communication part. And through that, you know, I thought that there were some challenges of communication. And um, your listeners may be familiar with The Five Love Languages, uh, a book uh, by my friend, Dr. Gary Chapman, sold 20 million copies. It's in 50 languages. Anyway, I approached him and uh, actually pursued him for a year uh, to talk about maybe applying the five love languages to work mm. uh, and work-based relationships. And so we agreed to do that. We developed an online assessment tool called the Motivating by Appreciation Inventory. Uh, it's in like seven languages. It's been taken by 300,000 people um, and then developed some training materials for leaders and HR people and consultants to use with teams and then wrote the book, uh, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. And uh, it's gone well. We sold over a half a million copies. And uh, it's in, I don't know, 22 languages or something like that. So really, the goal of our work is to help create and provide really practical resources for teams and leaders, organizations, to be able to build a positive workplace, to improve staff morale, to reduce uh, staff turnover, and to actually sort of, you know, entice people to come join you as well because you've got a, a positive environment. And so uh, that's what we do. We provide the resources to help people learn how to communicate authentic appreciation to one another and the ways that are meaningful to each person. Yeah. I'd love to dig a little bit more into the original pain point that you identified when you were working with some of these, you know, with your business and then uh, with some of the um, some of your friends who came to you, what were some of the pain points that you were experiencing and identifying in organizations? Well, the one that brought me into the consulting part was just that uh, business uh, consultants, advisors, financial advisors, estate planning 
uh, people, business succession planning, they would work with uh, a business and its leaders and develop a plan, but they didn't involve the family members. And, and in that point in time, sort of generationally, it was largely uh, the man and a wife. And often the woman didn't get brought in until she was supposed to sign papers. And she said, what's mm-hmm. this about? And I don't know anything about it. And, you know, who's getting what? And are we being fair? And so they would just get, come to a screeching halt. And so they we developed a process and I had the opportunity to, you know, work with highly successful you know, companies and families worth 50 plus million to up to a billion um, and help them sort of dialogue about it. But I was in the process of that. I was talking to one uh, business leader in North Carolina. He was a uh, uh, um, highway construction uh, uh, president and uh, asked him, you know, how's how's the plan going? This is section succession to your son. He said, it's going well. My son's stepping up. I think it's going to work. I walk across the hall and ask his son the same question. And he said, this is a disaster. It's never going to work. Can't ever please my dad. You know, and they wow. were sort of going like this. And that's where I thought my wife and I were going through the five love languages. And I thought, I wonder if this could work. And so that's sort of how we got in there. And then as I got into the, the arena a little more, I found out that uh, you know, most people know about employee recognition programs and not and research shows 90% of all companies and organizations in the U.S. have some form of employee recognition, but they weren't working. Um, and uh, I talked to the HR people. And I said, this is not working, you know, and they said, yeah, but we don't know what to do. And that's where we really saw and differentiated between uh, authentic appreciation and employee recognition and help them sort of fill the gaps on that. So to dig into that, what doesn't work in your experience with many traditional employee recognition programs and what's different about how you recommend leaders to engage with their teams more authentically? Yeah. So, um, you know, employee recognition was developed maybe back in the 50s and 60s of the last century. Um, And what they found was that if you set goals and monitor people's, you know, achieving those goals and then reward those goals, people tend to, to do better, whether that's, you know, sales goals or whether it's certain kinds of, you know, paperwork, reports, all that kind of stuff. And that's good. We want that to happen. And, and so when it's used for that, it, it works. But what happened in the midst of that is they started to try to use employee recognition, which is very performance-based, and it tends to be pretty group oriented, organizational for trying to, uh, you know, motivate and show appreciation to individuals. And it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels pretty impersonal. It's very generic. Um, and so it's like, you know, I've had, you know, thousands of stories of people say, you know, I went up and I got an award and I shook the CEO's hand and, you know, maybe I got a check for a thousand bucks or whatever, but it's like, is that it? You know, um, I mean, well, I'll take the money, but it's like, you know, they don't say the person the, given the award didn't really know the, uh, the recipient, didn't know what they did. It just felt pretty nonplussed. And so, uh, you know, the difference is that when we talk about appreciation, we talk about uh, appreciating the person as well as their performance that, you know, you and I and, and people at work, we're not just employees. We're not just work units. Yeah, we got to get stuff done. But we're people. And, you know, I think the COVID pandemic has pointed that out. We got lives that impact what's going on at work. And if we don't stay in touch with each other about that, it doesn't work well. We do a lot of research. You know, we got, you know, a data set of 300,000 people, which is just great and can run it a lot of different ways. And 
we looked at remote versus, you know, on-site employees and what they like. But, you know, I, I think a key part is leaders especially need to hear that employee recognition and uh, showing appreciation about the person are different. So one, one example would be, you know, um, there are some characteristics that we like and value about people, but it doesn't necessarily make them a better performer. And so we really try to focus on that. And, you know, so the five languages uh, shows that um, not everybody feels appreciated in the same way. Mm. And so if, if we don't communicate in the way that the recipient wants, it really doesn't hit the mark. So what are the five languages of appreciation? Yeah, so they're the same in name as the five love languages, okay. uh, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, tangible gifts, and yes, even physical touch. And we can talk about that. Uh, but they look different in the workplace, right? And so people that know their love language often want to know, hey, is it the same as their language appreciation? Did some research about two-thirds of the time, 67% of the time, your top personal love language is one of your top two work appreciation languages, but it's not a one-for-one -one deal. And, uh, you know, the words of affirmation, it's pretty clear. They're words that are affirming. We say things that uh, we appreciate about the other person. The key part about that is that it needs to be specific. We did a poll and found out that one of the things people don't like to hear is good job. Why? Really? Yeah, because and you can say it to anybody. It's real vague. And when you're dealing with technical people, say, my, my boss wouldn't even know if I did a good job or not. He manages me, but he doesn't know how I'm doing. And so you have to be specific about it. And so we teach a model of using a person's name, saying what they do or did that was of value to you, and why it's important to either you or the organization or the client. So it could be, hey, Becky, thanks for getting your report done in on time to me. That way it helps me get it together with my other stuff and turn my report in without a lot of stress around time. So uh, it's important. Now, words uh, are the largest, most frequently chosen language of appreciation, about 46% of the total population. There's differences across age groups. But so it's, it's a big group, but it's less than half. And one of the misconceptions that leaders often had when they hear appreciation, when you first help them see it's not recognition, is that they think it's all about words. And if you only use words, you already miss half of the people that work for you because over mm -hmm. half don't have words as their language. And so we need to expand beyond that. But it's a good starting point. And you can do it verbally. You can do it in writing. Quality time uh, also is an interesting one. It's about 26% of the population. So one of out of every four employees. And it breaks out into two different sort of way it looks for different ages in the past and the old days in the 1900s, <laughs> um, people, uh, you know, wanted time with their manager. Uh, you know, they really valued some individual time with their supervisor and manager. And that's still true to some degree, but clearly with younger workers, millennials and below, they want time with their peers. Okay. Mm. And so you know, they want to hang out with their friends. They want to go to lunch, go, you know, watch sports together or even work on a project together. So one of the things we found is that if you get the language right, but the action wrong, you still sort of miss the target. Third one is acts of service. It's not rescuing a low-performing colleague. It's really just those things that you can do to help make somebody's day or week go better. And the easiest example of that is when somebody's got a time-limited project that they're, you know, really hammering away on and working hard and long. And it's like, what can I do or you do to help them out? Whether that's, you know, delegate part of it to us, maybe handle emails and calls uh, so that they can stay focused on the project. Maybe bring, you know, lunch or dinner in so they can keep working. 
Um, but it's, it's all about the action. Uh, acts of service people, and that's about 21% of the, the workforce, words don't mean that much. And I mean, for them, words are cheap. You know, don't tell me you support me, show me. Next one is tangible gifts. It's not rewards and, you know, bonuses and raises. That's sort of, you know, on the, on the uh, uh, recognition side and employee-employer contract. These are just small things that show that you're getting to know your colleagues. I mean, it's like bringing in somebody's favorite cup of coffee. Maybe you know they're a Broncos fan and you bring them a, you know, Go Broncos. <laughs> a, a preseason 2022-23, you know, <sighs> magazine. So they're not going to be in the, in the cellar <laughs> next year. Um, uh, you know, it's just little things that show that you get to know them. And actually the most commonly given gift is food. Uh, so mm-hmm. people bring in, you know, bagels. Donuts, pizza, and the way you individualize that is you find out what your team members like, right? I have a team member that's, you know, uh, gluten intolerant. So when we get pizza, we get a, you know, a gluten-free pizza, you know, and I had one that liked the caramel log kinds of things for donuts. Made sure we got that. Um, it's a small group. It's only 6% of the employees that choose gifts as the primary way. They want to be shown appreciation. And a lot of businesses and organizations lose and waste money on rewards and gifts for appreciation, that doesn't really mean anything. People aren't going to give it back, but it's like, yeah, so I got a, you know, a mug with some candies and a pencil in it. I mean, you know, what's that about? And then the last one is physical touch. Um, but physical touch really is just about spontaneous celebration, right? It's a high five when you uh, finish a project, a fist bump when you solve a problem, maybe a congratulatory handshake when you make a sale, that kind of thing. It's less than 1% of the population, but we need to pay attention because it happens, right? Now, regionally, it differs, right? I mean, uh, in the Midwest and uh, the West and out West, they got the bro hug kind of thing. You know, Northeast, man, it's just, they just say, the physical, this is what physical touches in Northeast. It's just, hey, you know, I mean, it's just sort of a nod across the room. And then I lived in Atlanta for a while and they do side hugs and all that kind of stuff. So you got to pay attention to that. Um, so, you know, our assessment um which uh, a code for taking it comes with the book, but you can buy codes just for your team members. Uh, and they're, they're cheap. I mean, they're like 15 bucks a piece. Get a full report on the languages, the actions that are important to them. And then we have resources, free resources for plotting it out for the team. And so people know how to show appreciation to one another. That is really interesting. So we will include this in the show notes, but is the place to get the book and the codes at appreciationatwork.com? Yeah. Yeah. If you go there, that's sort of the mothership. And right there, it talks assessments, books, training material, then boom, there you go. So, yep. Got it. And now let's hear about the wonderful people that support this podcast. Are you spending more time managing your accounting than you are managing your team? Maybe it's time to bring on a professional to help you. Michelle Trotz and her team are an accounting and consulting firm that specializes in contract accounting, outsourced CFO and consulting services. They give you the time that you need to focus on operating your organization. Give the Michelle Trotz CPA, CFE, PLLC firm a call today to schedule your free consultation at 828-280-2530. Again, that's 828-280-2530. You don't have to run your organization alone. Michelle Trotz is your partner in accounting. So one of the things that strikes me as you're talking about that is uh, 
you know, the words that are coming to mind, and I don't know if these are words that, that you guys would use, but the difference between a transactional relationship and a real relational relationship. Mm -hmm. And, and there's sort of sounds like a bifurcation there of the sort of traditional model for employee recognition is very transactional. And it's, here's a handshake and, you know, a, you know, a A plaque check or a plaque or something, but there's not really any relational investment there versus showing real appreciation requires an understanding that somebody is a Broncos fan or even a Chiefs fan, um, understanding what they value and then structuring your relationship in a way to, to, to be intentional about showing them an appreciation in in the way that they receive it. Yeah. You're right on the mark, Mike. Uh, In fact, a couple of years ago, we were hired by probably one of the world's largest tech companies that they had an international virtual team that worked together and they wanted us to help them train how to show appreciation to one another. And I said, we can try it. I'm not sure it's going to work. Um, and this was a true virtual team in that they were different parts of the world. They had never met in person, never spent any time together. And, you know, appreciation is person to person. That's one of the cool things. It's not organizational. It's not structured. It's not top down. So the receptionist can show appreciation to the the vice president. Uh, Somebody in IT can show appreciation to somebody in facilities. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's personal. And without the personal relationship, it feels weird. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, you don't know me and you're telling me you appreciate that's where recognition <laughs> really comes in for performance. It's like, dude, I really appreciate you got the report done or, you know, the quality of work you did, but I'm not going to say I appreciate you because I don't really know you. And usually we miss the mark and it feels weird and it dies out too, because it's not, it's not real and genuine. Got it. So it's straight as you were talking about this, I'm, I'm like, yep, that, that all makes sense. I, I totally appreciate it, but there's almost a sense of, a finite number of people that you can show real appreciation with because you can't get to know everybody on that deep of a relational level. How do you recommend leaders or team members to sort of, I guess, scope it, right? Like how many people do you find, you know, a team is able to show or a person's able to show genuine appreciation to? Yeah. I mean, you're right on another one of the sort of misconceptions that we hit and that is, Communicating appreciation is not the sole or primary responsibility of leaders. Mm-hmm. It's too much of a weight. Um, and and actually, we found it works best when both the leader and team members learn how to show appreciation to one another. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we started out, we were focusing on supervisors and managers. But pretty quickly, we got feedback from, gosh, you said, you know, uh, Jennifer's having a sort of tough time. I try to encourage and show appreciation but it's not working. She just gets more grumpy about it because I'm not doing it right or something. And so we now, we developed this online train the trainer course, pretty cheap. It's less than a thousand bucks and people can use it multiple times to take teams through the process of how to show appreciation of one another. So you're, you're right. I mean, I worked with a hospital. They said that nurses, you know, supervised 80 people. And I'm like, yeah, no, they don't, you know, first of all, and you can't do that, right? So you break it into small groups. And so you break it into your team, the people that you're working directly with, um, and you try to bring people alongside to help you with it. And then it grows from there. I mean, we worked all across across the country with Miller Coors, with the Heinz uh, Corporation, mm-hmm. with DirecTV, 
um, Exxon Mobil, Caterpillar, that you start small, we do a pilot, and then as people see that it's practical, it's authentic, and it's easy to implement, then it just grows from there. Very, very cool. Do you find, do you get pushback when you go in sure. and, and you, you teach? What, what do people, yeah, I guess I'm just curious the reaction that you get when you're working with. Yeah, I mean, you know, they don't always say it to your face. Occasionally they do. I mean, I've had people, employers say, hey, you know, we pay and that's our appreciation. You know, have a nice day. And I got that. Um, and, you know, I'm a realist. I'm a psychologist and don't expect everybody to incorporate all this. And, but I can say this, that we know that workplaces that don't, that the team members don't feel valued, uh, they're far more likely to leave. In fact, once yeah. they showed 79% of people who leave a job cite a lack of appreciation as the key reason that they're leaving. Most managers wow. think they're leaving for more money. In fact, there's a new research that just came out in Bloomberg with the great resignation that showed people are not leaving for more money. They're leaving because they think their workplace sucks. Right. And so, so it, it's not about making people feel good. That's nice if that happens, but it's about when people feel valued and appreciated the work gets done and it gets done better. It's sort of like oil in a machine, right? It mm -hmm. sort of like keeps the parts going, lubricates them. You don't have the, the friction. You don't have the heat. You don't have the sparks and things get done. And actually people become less busy uh, because they're not having to deal with conflicts over stupid little things like what size your monitor is or, you know, how big a window is or whatever. And that stuff, when people feel valued, that stuff sort of goes away. So, yeah, we get it. And I just tell people, that's fine. All I ask is just stand to the side. Don't be obstructive about it. Just watch. And if, you know, and we've had people come back later and say, yeah, I get it. It's not my personality, but I understand it and it's good to go. Yeah. I think there's a couple really important points there that, that I'm taking away. One is just, there seems to be a real case for different personality types for mm -hmm. showing genuine appreciation. One is just, it's better. Like if we're working in a workplace where there's genuine appreciation. It's going to be a less sucky workplace. Right. And there are things that are always, you know, I, I think that's, and a lot of people just find a value on that account. But for other people, I mean, hiring and, and retention, if you have a, you know, people coming in the front door and then walking out the back door of your organization, it's really hard <laughs> to run a business that way. Yeah. So there seems to be a rock solid business case too to invest a little bit of time in understanding how can you create a culture where everybody within the, their pockets and their spheres of influence are treating other people intentionally with appreciation. Yeah, and and your yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of research in our, in our book, the second chapter. I've got 50 research studies that we cite from Gallup, from the Boston Consulting Group. Uh, you know, all over the place that show that things go better. I mean, you hear about employee engagement, right? Which means people are there not only physically, but mentally and emotionally. Employee engagement clearly grows when people feel valued and appreciated. And we've got research that shows it improves profitability, productivity, customer service ratings, employee theft goes down on the site, uh, job accidents go down, you know, all different uh, turnover goes down, absenteeism goes down. So, uh, yeah. It's it's not just about, you know, touchy-feely stuff. It's about how do we help this work well? And you're right. I mean, you know, turnover is the highest non-productive cost of any business. And it just, it'll eat you alive if you, if you can't, you know, sort of plug the gap.
Yeah. So making it really tactical, do you find that some people just know how to do this intuitively and other people need training and how difficult is it to train somebody to, to do this well? Yeah, I would say there are a few people that do it naturally, but most of us use words. And I mean, if we do anything, we use words hmm. or maybe we'll go stop by and check in on somebody. But beyond that, we really don't know. I mean, people say, well, how do you find out what a person's language is? Well, to be honest, if you ask somebody, okay, I want to, if I want to show you appreciation, how should I do it? First of all, that's a weird question in our culture. Secondly, they're going to say, I don't know, tell me thanks. I mean, that's what you're going to get. So you don't get yeah. much. And so that's where I think our assessment has really been helpful. It takes 15 minutes online, creates an individualized report. You can, you know, sort of synchronize it with your team. Um, but it's easy to teach this. In fact, early on, I was sort of embarrassed about sort of, this is not like rocket science stuff, you know, but that's actually been our saving grace because most people, especially now, don't have much mental or emotional bandwidth to be able to learn a bunch of stuff and remember to apply it. And so our stuff is easy. There's five languages. We've got visual symbols we use so that you can get on your buttons, lanyards, or your uh, electronic email. Um, hmm. And it's just easy to, to implement. And so then it works. I mean, we have a mining company in South Dakota and Colorado that have used this with their miners, their cement truck drivers, you know, the rock drivers, all that. And they wanted the symbols to put on their hard hats, you know, oh, and cool. it's like, you know, uh, it's sort of fun. So it, it's, it's not hard. I mean, if somebody doesn't want to do it, they don't want to do it. That's fine. But um, it, it doesn't take a lot, first of all, mental energy. Uh, and you got to have some structure. That's why we developed the training process that you can do in a half day or a series of one hour kinds of things to, to help make it work. Very cool. Have you found that the pandemic and remote work and hybrid work has impacted the ability of teams to, to put this into practice well? And what recommendations yeah. would, would you have for teams that want to do this in a more virtual context? Yeah. So actually early on um, in the pandemic, I mean, the spring of 20 into that fall, we did research to find out, okay, how are remote workers doing, you know, and what are they doing? What's creating anxiety for them? How are they coping with it? And one of the key things that we found is that people who one, didn't, you know, binge watch the news all the time and had all this negative stuff coming at them, but also, you know, slept well, got exercise, ate okay, and kept, you know, some form of recreation, but kept connected with their colleagues at a personal level, did a lot better than those that didn't. Hmm. And we developed a remote training uh, kit that we have available. And we also have a, a remote version of our assessment because, you know, how do you show appreciation through quality time or acts of service when you're in different offices or cities or whatever. And so we have actions that work for each of those. And we found that, you know, a key part for remote workers is one, if you're going to show appreciation, you really have to be proactive because you don't see them to remind you, right? You don't see them in the break room or coming in the yeah. office or you don't walk by their office. So you've got to be proactive about it. Secondly, they wanted it from their peers. They just don't want to hear it from their managers. And third, they want to have a personal connection. And I tell you what, the, the places that are working fully remotely, if you don't keep some personal connection with people, you will lose them. No doubt in my mind about it. And or they're not going to do well. And so that means texting saying some, hey, I'd like to chat with you for five or 10 minutes when you got some time later today, you know, because we're in remote world, we're afraid we're going to interrupt them. 
and we don't know what they're doing. So you set up a time and you call and say, Hey, you know, what are you doing this weekend? You know, and I'm going to do this and, you know, do you bet any money's on the Chiefs? You know, or whatever, <laughs> you know, or, you know, how are your kids doing in soccer and all that kind of stuff. And, but don't just ask questions, but share what you're doing. And yeah. that's highly valued for people and it makes them sticky in the sense of people are committed to other people more than they're committed to an organization or a mission. And yeah. so if you work with a team that you feel connect to, you're probably going to stay there longer than if you did for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man, this is really interesting. And do you find that this has applications outside of work as well? I, I know obviously the five love languages was written outside of a work context, but I imagine that if somebody gets good at doing this and, and showing the people in their workplace appreciation, have you found that it has spillover effect into other areas of life? Well, I don't know that we found it. I mean, I think it's there in the sense of in your community life, if you're a volunteer, we know with nonprofits that they need to communicate appreciation to their volunteers or they're going to have a revolving door, right? Sure. And so that, or if you're a coach, you know, and you use it with, you know, the kids you're coaching, or if you're a parent, use it with the coach so they don't leave, you know? So there's all kinds of sort of non- family relationships that this can can work on. I mean, to me, I, I use it in strategic partnerships. I mean, I want to let the people know that support our stuff and you know, occasionally will, you know, mention us or whatever. I want to let them know I appreciate them. And not just that they do that, but I find out what's going on with them and try to support them. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Paul, you guys have come so, so far. You've done, you know, you've sold over half a million books. Um, you're, you know, clearly making an impact from mining companies in South Dakota and Colorado to, you know, large CPG companies. You've come a really long way with this methodology and tool that, that you've created. What is 2022 and, and beyond hold? And, you know, as we're entering this new year, how do you think about setting organizational goals for, for your company and, and thinking about, you know, setting a a vision and a mission for yourself for the future. Yeah, so I'm sort of countercultural that way. Uh, I used to teach and help family businesses do vision, mission, and values, and the problem was they never used it. And so we ah. sort of we downsized it to behavioral values. What you know, what are our values? We value our customers. What does that look like for us? That means we get back to them within 24 hours, no questions asked. If there's something wrong, we solve it to their satisfaction. You know, even if it costs us and they, they were the ones that screwed up. Uh, so there's that kind of thing. But so I write a blog every week and it's both about appreciation, but also teams and leadership kind of stuff. And around the New Year's, I wrote, I said, you know, uh, you might want to consider recycling last year's goals instead of setting new goals uh, because, you know, we maybe made a little progress on some of them. Some of them we didn't even touch. Yeah. Um, and it's like, Sometimes we just got to persevere and just hang in there and keep working on it versus going after the, the latest, greatest, shiny thing. So that's sort of how I approach it. And for us, um, I sort of have a need meeting approach to business that what are the needs, both felt and real, because sometimes what people think they need isn't what they really need. Uh, and then how can I meet those and how do I let people know that I can meet those? That's what marketing is. And so for us, it's just continue to get the word out because when people find out our stuff, they like it, it's inexpensive, it works, and they tell other people. And so for me, the issue is, okay, we need to really help people in the medical field more. We need to help people in long-term care 
uh, restaurants, hospitality, government, all that. And so it's, it's sort of, you know, keeping at it, but trying to get it to the, to the right people. Yeah. And I really think that this is one of the reasons I was excited to have you on this podcast is I think that what you're talking about will resonate with, with our listeners. So just a little plug for our listeners would encourage you to go check out uh, Dr. Paul and his work. Again, that's uh, appreciation at work.com. That's spelled out a T not with a little at sign there. So plug for our listeners to, to go and check you out. But you know, the other thing that it's sort of a, it's a related topic, but it's one that we're trying to ask in all of our podcasts early this year is really focusing in on new leaders. And we have found that in most of the organizations that we work with, leaders are promoted because they're good at doing whatever their functional job responsibilities are, but there's not great leadership or training for new leaders. I know what you're talking about Dr. Paul has application for leaders and non-leaders, and the whole weight of showing appreciation can't fall on leaders. Um, it has to be a, a deeper organizational commitment. But do you have any advice particularly for people that are stepping into a, a position of leadership or, or management for the first time? Yeah, I mean, I guess don't wait till you have the position to start influencing others. That's what leadership is, right? It's influencing others. And so don't wait till you get the position or the title or the authority. Just start behaving and treating people like the way that you think you should, that leaders do. Uh, one of the ways that our stuff gets used is somebody finds the book, could be a receptionist, it could be, I don't know, just, you know, somebody in the office somewhere and they find it and they sort of set it out. They maybe talk to somebody about it. Uh, somebody sees it. You know, and they start and they say, oh, that's sort of interesting. And then the two of them start together. So one of the things I, I say a, a lot, because I've worked with tech companies and IT people, and they like to do Gantt charts and, you know, spreadsheets, and, <laughs> you know, plan it all out. It's like, dude, but they never get started, right? I mean, they don't actually do it. And I say, start somewhere with someone. That's the key, right? You got to, if you don't start, I mean, if you try an exercise program, you never start, doesn't work. Same thing here. Just start somewhere with somebody. Uh, one of the team members that you work with that really, if they didn't do what they did, your life would be tougher or maybe somebody's discouraged. And uh, just think about what you value about them and communicate that. And if you're introverted, you don't have to go talk to them about it. You can write them a note, write them a text, whatever. And uh, just do that. I mean, lots of times we're waiting for something to happen and, you know, you could be 80 and, and you're still waiting. Yeah. Yeah. Man, well, this is such a, a great conversation, and, and I really want to be respectful respectful of your time, Dr. Paul, but is there anything else that you'd love to leave our our listeners with that, you know, I, I think they know where to find you, and we'll certainly put that in the show notes, but any, you know, sort of last messages that you think would be helpful for the listeners of the Building Teams with Teams & Co. podcast? You know, I, I think uh, a sort of proverb of saying that I've tried to build my life on is that it's sort of old English, but it's he who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Yeah. And it's just the principle of look around and see who's doing a good job. Somebody that you respect and hang out with them or ask them uh, if you could have lunch or learn from them or what they're reading. Learn from the people that are doing stuff, even though you may not be you know, organizationally connected, whatever. Uh, and it doesn't have to be person to person. I mean, it could be, you know, podcasts, it could be, you know, books, uh, websites, whatever. So just keep learning and, and growing and, you, and you'll, you'll get there. 
Great. Well, Dr. Paul, it's been such a pleasure having this conversation with you. Uh, again, to all the listeners of this podcast, and if you guys are checking us out for the first time, um, would really appreciate you uh, giving us a thumbs up, uh, hitting us with a like, leaving a comment, five-star review, and again, hit that little button icon here on YouTube uh, to be alerted for every time that we go live uh, so that you'll get the latest and greatest from the Building Teams with Teams & Go podcast. Uh, Dr. Paul, again, it's been fantastic having you on and look forward to continuing the conversation. We'd love to bring you back uh, at some point, you know, maybe later this year and and just check in and see how things are going. But yeah, I'd love to do that. We just have a new book coming out this week. And I'd be glad to, to chat with you guys about that later. So thanks Wonderful. so much. All right. Well, we will talk to you soon. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Building Teams with Teams & Co., to learn more about the latest thinking on how to empower your team to deliver exceptional results or to book a consultation, please visit us at teamsandco.com or follow us at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Mention of particular products or services and participation of a guest does not imply an endorsement by Teams & Co. The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as professional advice.